watch too much hockey. Puck face from Monday to Saturday and Sunday matinees. Puck face. You're such a puck face. Wikipedia defines very special episode as an episode which deals with difficult or controversial issues. Episode 3, Season 4 of Boy Meets World, sees Sean lured by the enigmatic and dangerous Philip Mack as we learn a very important lesson about the dangers of cults. In Episode 16, Season 9 of The Facts of Life, Natalie, who by this point is in her 20s, decides to sleep with her boyfriend as we learn a very important lesson about the dangers of Squint's premarital sex. And in Episode 5, Season 4 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, a warlock-brewed beer causes the young people of Sunnydale to revert to Neanderthalic state as we learn a very important lesson about the dangers of alcohol. This episode received an Emmy nomination for Outstanding Hairstyling. You might say, hey, isn't episode 3 of your podcast a little early for a very special episode? And to that I would say, Blossom did it in episode 2, Blossom Blossoms. Welcome everyone to Hockey the Musical! where producer Alaris and I assess the fortunes of all 31 NHL teams, using the same medium employed by such visionaries as Whitney Houston, Barbara Streisand, Macho Man Randy Savage, the medium of song. If you want a 2017-18 season preview that isn't in song form, you can go fuck yourself. 31 teams, 2 conferences, 4 divisions, We'll begin with the Western Conference working our way through the Pacific, then the Central, and on to the Eastern Conference, starting with the Atlantic and then finishing with the Stacked AF Metro Division. The order within each division will be loosely alphabetical. We will begin with the hitherto shitty Arizona Coyotes. But first, the news! Game of Thrones stars Kit Harrington and Rose Leslie have announced their engagement. The pair plans to tie the knot in a small ceremony with close friends and telegraphed plot points. Medical researchers were able to restore consciousness to a man who spent 15 years in a vegetative state. The man's first acts were to briefly catch up on world news and sue the doctors who woke him. Twitter has doubled the character count to 280. Knock knock! Who, may I ask, is at the door on this particular occasion? Interrupting CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey. Interrupting CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, who? Well, we personally, here at Puckface Podcast, think that this is a good move. Because whereas before, people were limited as to how they could express themselves, now, they just really have a lot more space that they can use to get to the point. And that's the presentation of newly received and or noteworthy information considered pertinent for public consumption, known as, in the parlance of our times, the news. Do you want a surprise? Something unpredictable right before your eyes. Do you want to be amazed? See Jalmerson and Chickering and Ekman Larson play. Heckin' good dogs. Heckin' good dogs. Coyotes are heckin' good dogs. They're 12 out of 10. They might not make the playoffs, but these doggos are a friend. John Shake is barely old enough to drive. Did you know that Luke Shen is still alive? Heckin' good dogs. Heckin' good dogs. These coyotes are heckin' good dogs. They might not be Chicago, but they're certainly some heckin' good doggos. You heard it here first. Arizona will be much improved this year. They added Auntie Ranta and Goal, Derek Stepan at center and Jason Demarazon D, who apparently blocked a trade to the Vancouver Canucks, which just warms my heart as a longtime Canucks, and I use this term loosely, fan. Hey, did you know that John Chaka, the Coyotes general manager, is only 28 years old? Yeah, the Coyotes would have won a cup by now if he wasn't so busy buying avocado toast. 
I still can't believe John Chaika hasn't answered for what he did to casual dining chains like Chili's and Applebee's. Yeah, or hotel closets. Or napkins. But what of the rest of the Pacific Division? Anaheim, Calgary, Edmonton, teams that made the playoffs last year. Teams whose general managers didn't kill wine corks. Or vacations. Or the McDonald's McRap. Or affordable housing. Uh, no, that's boomers. Oh, right. Hampus Lindholm's injured, and Ryan Kessler's injured. Our aquatic friends depend upon an aging Ryan Miller. BX is 36, and Kessler's 33. Time is running thin on the 2011 Canucks, if you ask me. Ducks eat fish and insects, and some aquatic plants. Randy Carlyle is a worse coach than Emilio Estevez. I think it's time that Cogliano's Iron Man streak will end. The Pacific stinks, so Anaheim will make the postseason again. And Ryan Getzlaff will still be an asshole whose fake apology for shouting an anti-gay slur at a referee was bullshit. Yeah! Calgary, please don't leave. Can't you see? We need your team, Brian Burke, make it work. Intercede, hear Nancy, don't be so. the bling this old town is playoff bound so don't move to Seattle we want you guys around baby yeah some people say too much of anything is a bad thing but when Connor McDavid is on that TV, Ooh. coming in hard, sliding around that D, and undressing those goalies. <sighs> Baby, you know it just makes me want a game center and chill. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh. I just want you to deke me out. Deke me out like Connor. Deke me out like Connor, baby I just want you to deke me out Deke me out like Connor Freak me out like Connor I just want you to show me that release And unleash the beast from the west to the east Bring me right out of my seat when you're feeding on my gold crease I just want you to deke me out And take me all the way to the conference finals Or an orgasm Whichever comes first (laughs) First So this is the point in Hockey, the musical, where I could no longer be arsed to look through copyright-free YouTube music and sort of just devolved into Weird Al-style parodies. Did you know Weird Al is vegan? Anyway, much has been made of the LA King's decline over the last few years. Bad contracts, aging stars, consistent possession. Oh, you mean they're Corsi and Fenwick. Why is that a bad thing? No. Taylor, not puck possession. Oh, possession of what then? Just play the song. If you want to hang out, you better bottom out. L.A. The allegations aren't true. We never, ever do. L.A. We're all right, we're all right, come and try. 
L.A. We're the best at our sport. We don't snort. L.A. Oh, I get it. Cocaine. Taylor, you sang that song. Allegedly sang that song. (sighs) Anyway, we conclude our trek through California with the San Jose Sharks. A team without Patrick Marlowe this year, but not without a certain je ne sais quoi. A je ne sais quoi, if you will. Oh my god, Becky, look at that beard. It is so big. He looks like one of those people who owns a craft beer company in Portland. Or like a lumberjack who works in Portland. Or like a person from Portland. I like big beards that I cannot lie. You other players can't deny. When Brent Burns walks in with a beard so thick and a round thing on his stick, you get scored on. Shots poured on. You better hope you got record on. I see that beard you're sporting. Making the playoffs with Joe Thornton. The San Jose Sharks debuted in 1991. Baby Got Back was released in 1992. Coincidence? Yes. And now for BC's very own, the Vancouver Canucks. Wow, what a great song. You really captured the overarching forlornness and general ennui of the Canucks, and I use this term loosely, fan base. Thanks. Well, we have one more Pacific Division team to slot in. Our ace in the hole. Our team that you don't give two craps about. Ooh, 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 can I try one? A team that'll warm you up when it's Excalibur. Brand new city gonna set the league, gonna set the NHL on fire. Got half a billion dollars of expansion money, could Gary Bettman be pitching one higher? There's Mark andre Fleury just dying up there. No number one center, what do I care? Got bottom three defensemen and Raptors to spare. So Viva Las Vegas! Viva Las Vegas! Viva! Viva Las Vegas! Thank you. Thank you very much. And so much for Act One. Yeah. Oh, this seems like a good time to bring in a running series on Puckface Podcast. In the spirit of Ice-T's Dungeons & Dragons audiobook, this is Hockey D&D League. If you weren't with us last time, what we do here is roll four dice six times to determine scores for strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. We combine the three highest dice from each roll to get our numbers. Based on these stats, Taylor will decide which hockey player or personality is represented by that character. Our first draftee was Montreal's Shea Weber, who will join him this week. Alaris! Roll those dice. All right. I will push the button on this app. So for strength, we have 13. 13 strength. All right. So stronger than average. All right. Dexterity. Oh, no. Uh, that will be seven. Seven dexterity. All right. So a, a somebody who is not going to be a maybe a top pair or a, a top line uh, talent. Okay, rolling for constitution here. Let's see. Ah, well, uh, we got a 16. Okay. Yeah. 16 constitution. So we're probably looking at maybe like a third liner, like a, you know, kind of a grinding, uh, eat up minutes type of player. Next roll for intelligence. And we have 16 again. Another 16. All right. So, uh, okay. Somebody, somebody who's got some, some abilities. See uh, let's see how they use those abilities with wisdom. And they have a 15 to work with there. Oh my goodness. You know who this is looking like to me? Uh, Who's that? A little bit like Matt Cullen, um, the uh, uh, sometime fourth line center for the 
Pittsburgh Penguins and now the uh, Minnesota Wild. But yeah. I'm I'm not so sure about that. Let's see. Okay. Uh, let's see what charisma says. Yeah. Let's see. He's working with fourteen charisma. Fourteen charisma. That's that's pretty good. You know what? Let's say let's go with Matt Cullen. Okay. I like Matt Cullen. Cully's a good guy. Um, he's a family man, uh, and. You know, he can, he can put the puck in the net sometimes. His dexterity probably would have been a little higher when he won a cup with the Carolina Hurricanes. But I, I think this is a pretty Matt Cullen-y player. Well, congratulations, Matt Cullen. You're on the team. Yeah, you you might not be on the Pittsburgh Penguins anymore. You have no chance to three-peat, but you do have a chance to take part in Hockey D&D League. Who will be next to, uh, to <clears throat> excuse me, to accompany <laughs> Shea Weber and Matt Cullen on their quest? Tune in next time. And now, back to Hockey, the musical. Jonathan Taves is a centerman who plays for the Hawks. He'll put you to sleep each time he talks. The salary cap is a total mess. And Marion Hosa can't get dressed. So if you want to get swept in four games, you might grow up to be John Taves. Or would you like to play for the stars? Carry Radulov home in a jar And be better off than you are Or would you like to be Duchesne? Duchesne is an avalanche you cannot persuade He asked Joe Sackick for a trade He's kinda overrated just like Barlamov And if he does get traded he'll be in the playoffs So if you think you're an unmitigated pain you might grow up to be Duchesne. Or would you like to cheer for the stars? Have the highest scoring by far. And a jersey so green it's bizarre. Or would you rather be the Wild? The Wild are a team with a coach named Boudreaux. They'll get into the playoffs and implode. The Blues are bad in goal, so of course they'll miss. The Jets won't make it either, and their fans will be pissed. So if you want a hockey team that is on par, then you should choose the Dallas Stars. Or would you like to cheer for the Preds? Go right back to the final instead. At least their captain reciprocates Intermission! Intermission! Good God! What? I just meant oral sex. everything you've got trading away a franchise center didn't help a lot wouldn't you hate Don Sweeney's job sometimes you have to go and lose a bucket load of trades and get Dave back as overpaid you want to go where people know Dano's efforts are in vain They want to go and see the Bruins lose a game You want to go where people know Shirelli is the one to blame You want to go and see the Bruins lose a game How's the world treating you, Marchie? Welcome to Act 3 of Hockey! The musical, The Atlantic Division. Hey, Alaris, what did you make of the last season of the Buffalo Sabres? Well, I thought the whole narrative that led up to Tim Murray's ousting didn't make a lot of sense. Like, it was completely telegraphed right from the beginning. But they tried to be all coy about it. Ooh, will Jack Eichel take Tim Murray's side or will he betray his own team? And you're like, oh my god, obviously he's not going to do that. So when he doesn't, you're like... Okay, where's the suspense? Where's the clarity of motivation? Interesting. How about the Detroit Red Wings? Well, I felt the sense of place that they developed over all those years was suddenly betrayed. Like, one moment, Brendan Smith and Steve Otter are there, and then they're suddenly way off in another city. 
Like, how did Thomas Bennett get to Florida in one scene when it used to take Jamie Lannister a whole season to get to King's Landing? And as for Florida, I felt like they blew all their budget on CG just to make it look like Jaeger could still skate, rather than putting those resources into good storytelling. I know exactly what you mean. Here's a song about three teams we probably won't see in the playoffs this year. Jack Eichel looks like Joffrey Baratheon. Looks like Joffrey, looks like Joffrey, just like Joffrey. He drove out Dan Biles, Ma, and Tim Murray. Killed Tim Murray, killed Tim Murray, metaphorically. Detroit has a brand new arena. Little Caesars, Little Caesars, yummy pizza. Athanasiu is threatening to leave ya. Gonna leave ya, gonna leave ya, fucking see ya. Yager is way too old. He won't be signed. Last season of Game of Thrones was just alright. Wasn't great though, 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 wasn't great. Wow, what a great song. We now come to an original six team, and a team that just so happens to be your childhood favorite, Alaris, the Montreal Canadiens. Hit it! Frere Price, Frere Price, Dormez-vous, Dormez-vous, Better not or they're fucked, Sorry but the Habs suck, Yes it's true, Yes it's true, Yes, it's true. No, oh, shut up, asshole. Wow, the truth hurts, doesn't it? Says the Canucks fan. Again, I use the term fan loosely. I think the Canucks use the term hockey loosely. But enough about them. Back to the Habs. Here's one. What do you call a guy who'd be a number four center in an ideal situation? At best, a number three. But in the case of the Canadians, he's a number two center. What? Dunno. Ugh, Taylor, that's my joke. Okay, okay. Did you hear about the matching feet that were discovered off the coast of Port Renfrew? No. Yeah, they called it the most upsetting case of something being washed up on the west coast of BC since your Vancouver Canucks. Look, I'm not upset about the Vancouver Canucks. I'm not, I'm not upset now. Got no regrets now. I don't care about the Vancouver Canucks. So give, give me those Vancouver Canucks. Oh good, they've arrived. That's right, we've brought in a real-life barbershop quartet to tell us all about our next team, the Ottawa Senators. Please welcome the official barbershop quartet of Puckface Podcast, Pitch Please! Oh, Ottawa, Eric Carlson's on the shelf, Alfie's retired. MacArthur's gone as well With Shabbat too young and Oduya old And Faneuf on your top pair With no fans attending your hockey games In the middle of nowhere God help your team Oldest in the league Oh, Ottawa Watch them make the playoffs anyway Oh, Ottawa Watch them make the playoffs anyway Wow, Barbershop so exotic. Our final two songs of Act 3 represent the class of the Atlantic Division. You have the Tampa Bay Lightning, who almost made the playoffs last year despite a rash of injuries. Like, a really big rash of injuries. 
like a rash that covers a third of your body and makes Yanni Gord a regular on your lineup. Who the fuck is Yanni Gord? And then you have the Toronto Maple Leafs, an exciting up-and-coming team with talent to spare and a seedy underbelly, exemplified by a management that is, how shall I put this, circumspect. Stefan Robidoff, never playing again. Frankie Carrado, no obligato. That third year of Patrick Marlowe's contract. David, blame that shit. Oh! Now let's take a trip down to Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sinners all, I call upon the esteemed producer of Puckface Podcast. Hi, that's me. To sing the old song, Tampa Pa. They're singing in Miami, especially when they're counting the Stanley Cup red Zero! If you got your picks in, you'll know that this division belongs to Stevie Y, who will win everything. Tampa, pa, Tampa, pa, that's how it goes. Tampa, pa, Tampa, pa, everyone knows. Nobody scores quite like Steven Stamkos when they hear Tampa, pa. Johnny Truin, he knew what he was doing when he refused to play for the minor league team. Patiently waited, then Iserman traded him. Now he's on the Abbeys who always get creamed. Tampapa, Tampapa, that's how it goes. Tampapa, Tampapa, everyone knows. Good thing they're not coached by Barry Melrose. When they hear Tampapa. You just had to throw a dig at the Habs in there, didn't you? And how? I close my eyes. I see Mitch Marner playing like a charmer. Wonderful and new I see my sweet William Nylander Austin's wing commander Any leaf will do I wore my old I wore my old Doug Gilmore jersey oh. Never again to It's me, Taylor. Since we're at an act break, I'd like to take some time to discuss the events of the weekend stick to sports died, as Bruce Arthur put it. If you're dying for more songs, you can skip ahead 11 minutes 
and you'll be at the start of Act 4. So the Pittsburgh Penguins accepted 45's invitation to the White House, and we saw the wretched statement from Coach Mike Sullivan saying it's a, quote, politics aside thing, which, here's the thing about white supremacy. If you express neutrality, you're for it. Sidney Crosby defended the decision, saying it is a, quote, tremendous honor to go to the White House, and that they respect the office of the president, even though it is occupied by a white supremacist. Sidney Crosby, who has built his brand on being apolitical, expressed a more political statement by seeking out neutral ground on white supremacy than we have seen from any other face of the game maybe ever. The best takes on all of this, in my opinion, have come from Jashvina Shah, at IceHockeyStick on Twitter, episode 18 of her podcast, Sticking to Sports, titled On Hockey Culture, The Penguins' White House Visit, and more. Please, please, please go check it out. It is far more important than any of the goofiness we do here. She talks about why the onus shouldn't be on players of color to kneel or to speak out. JT Brown of the Tampa Bay Lightning has received death threats for just talking about kneeling. Allies need to do more of the work. She also talks about the framing of the white-dominated mainstream hockey media in the wake of the Penguins' decision. There are questions white beat reporters typically won't ask of athletes. She points this out, that a reporter of color, if you hired one, would. Beat reporters have been asking hockey players about kneeling and not asking them about accountability for police, which is at the root of the issue of kneeling. Since listening to Shaw's podcast, I have been observing what hockey-talking heads have been choosing to focus on. I listen to a lot of sports talk radio, TSN in particular. James Duffy was doing a hit on Landsberg in the morning, and he essentially boiled down the problem with the Penguins' decision to go to the White House to timing and tone. He called their timing tone-deaf and blind, which abled white progressives never failed to recruit ableism in their commentary on social justice. I like James Duthie. He seems like a nice guy. But that's disappointing. And that's a thing whiteness does. It loves to focus on tone rather than systemic violence. And if you think my concern with Duthie's ableist language is about tone, it's not. A large amount of people murdered by police are deaf. 50% of people murdered by police in the United States have a disability of some kind. When you casually use disability as a metaphor for ignorance, as a metaphor for what's wrong with the unjust side of injustice, you are treating state violence against disabled people as a perfunctory social justice issue. If you're listening, and you casually use disability or mental illness as a shorthand for bigotry, I have three words. Thesaurus.com Now, Duffy and others have brought systemic issues into the conversation, but when they do, it's very sanitized, and it always comes back to timing and tone. I'm not a Keith Olbermann fan, per se, but he was right when he said 45's racism is now the Pittsburgh Penguins' racism. TSN's Matt Cause, noted Harper supporter, said his problem with Olbermann's statement wasn't that there was anything necessarily factually wrong with it, but that it was, quote, too strident. Look, of course white supremacy is bad, but heaven forbid we resist it in a way that's a tad grating. White culture is saying racism is bad out of one side of your mouth and complaining about the tone of those resisting it out of the other side. White owners in the NFL have been defending their athletes for kneeling or linking arms or staying in the dressing room, but have framed their support as a general unity thing rather than a specific statement about state violence. Bruce Arthur was on Landsberg in the morning, and he discussed unity as a concept. He said, quote, What does that mean? What are you united in service of? Some people are trying to make it, we are united as human beings and therefore we are against racism. Okay, that's also a Coke commercial. That's Bruce Arthur, not me. Until you are clear about what you are united against, then unity means whatever anyone wants it to mean. White culture is, at every opportunity, 
co-opting resistance to white supremacy and converting it into a subservient, malleable, and capitalist construct in service of the status quo. TSN's Craig Button made the point at the end of a pretty milquetoast discussion on Leaf's Lunch that, quote, without discussion, nothing will change. A truly profound statement. Discussion of what, exactly? Because the words, white supremacy, weren't uttered once during that segment of all-white TSN employees with a platform they could have been using to elevate black voices. Discussion is a hugely attractive end goal for those who are consistently privileged by discussion. Until oppressive systems are dismantled, nothing will change. Until policy changes, nothing will change. Until money is invested in marginalized community and marginalized people are given platforms, nothing will change. Until policing practices are radically deconstructed and the prison system in the United States is not a continuation of slavery, nothing will change. White culture is discussion having already presented clear solutions that are uncomfortable to us, so we discuss it more. White culture is having discussions the way we boil vegetables. TSN's Gord Miller, who again, seems like a nice socially liberal white moderate, gave as his reason why the pen shouldn't visit the White House, that 45 has made it a free speech issue by bringing athletes into it and saying that they should be fired for their expression. As if all that came before that wasn't enough. As if white supremacy wasn't enough of a reason. As if being an ally to athletes of color wasn't enough of a reason. Gord, you have a lot of good ideas about hockey, but that is a perfect example of white people only stepping up when their own are threatened. Bruce Arthur, in a rare example of a white person using an MLK quote to criticize other white people, mentioned how the great stumbling block to black liberation isn't just the KKK, but the, quote, white moderate who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice. Which, by the way, describes hockey culture perfectly. Don't ruffle feathers. Don't stand out. Tone down your separateness. If you highlight your separateness, or if we just feel like that's what you're doing, you'll find yourself on the outside looking in, Montreal Canadiens. More and more, I wonder whether we say hockey culture sometimes as a way of not saying white culture. Just as a thought experiment, whenever you see the words hockey culture, replace hockey with white, because sometimes that's kind of what's going on. Sidney Crosby is the living embodiment of hockey culture. And hopefully, we're beginning to understand the problem with holding up a person who refuses to make waves as a role model. Back to Gord's point about stepping up only when you become a target. Fascism is, quote, omnicidal, as Ebony Elizabeth Thomas puts it, at Ebony Teach on Twitter. Quote, if you think you're safe from fascism's omnicidal scythe, you don't know a thing about fascism. You aren't, and neither are your loved ones. As fascism grows, as white supremacy grows, it will choose white targets deemed to be degenerate. The time to resist it is before that happens. Mike Johnson was on Leaf's Lunch, and he thankfully made a point that I've heard no one else make on Sports Talk Radio, maybe others have, and I just missed it. He pointed out that for all the comments that kneeling during the anthem is an insult to people who served, Colin Kaepernick originally was sitting during the anthem, and he approached veterans about it who told him it would be more respectful to them to kneel, so he did. So for those who say lefties, which is code, disrespect veterans by kneeling, when was the last time you consulted an actual veteran on your own actions and assumptions? It might have been Craig Button or Dave Poulin who was pointing out that Joel Ward and P.K. Subban are Canadian, which I guess was supposed to mean that somehow their blackness is re less relevant to the conversation. For one, police violence exists in Canada. Since 1998, half of people killed by Toronto police, well, in quote, mental distress, again, code, have been black men. Toronto's population is about 8% black. 
half. Secondly, Joel Ward and P.K. Subban play in American cities. Ward and Subban both said that they won't kneel during the anthems, and there are some white liberals out there who really need to get over their hand-wringing about it. Whatever Joel or P.K. or other black hockey players need to do to feel safe, kneeling or not, isn't our place as white people to criticize. Like Jashvina Shaw says, white folks need to step up and carry more of the burden. If we don't expect that from people in leadership positions in hockey, then hockey culture has a pretty warped definition of leadership. Go Caps. Now back to silly hockey songs. Welcome back to Hockey, the musical. Act 4 is all about the Metropolitan Division. A division with no teams that look truly terrible going into next season. Washington and Pittsburgh may have taken a hit, but they're still tops in what should be the best division in hockey. We began with the Carolina Hurricanes, who were already one of my favorite teams to watch before they drafted my favorite player from last year's World Junior Tournament, Martin Nikash. Draws penalties with his neutral zone speed, protects the puck so well in every zone, makes sneaky great little passes. He won't play for them for the next couple of years, but man, this team just gets better and better. Yes, I'm Scott Darling, and I've been waiting all summer. The underlying numbers can't be wrong. Hannafin and Teravinen, Victorask, Lee Stepniak, and Aho too. It's about time you're finally good I've been inclined To think Cam Ward's misunderstood You know, we were so excited about having an actual barbershop quartet in the studio, we decided we'd bring them back to serenade the Columbus Blue Jackets. Specifically their coach, John Tortorella. Patriot. Dog lover. Abusive prick. Distinguished guests, please welcome back the official barbershop quartet of Puckface Podcast, Pitch Please. Oh, say can you stand at the coach's command? If you don't, then you'll sit. Tortorella demands it. Though the defense is great and they play well at all, it's true without Sergei Bobrovsky their bone. Oh, say does that stick wielding penguin have a guys have done better fuck you fuck you fuck you fuck you fair enough now where were we all oh, right john tortorella husband father coach asswipe as we motor on through the metro division we come to the most densely populated geographic area in north america famous people from the new york metropolitan area include tony bennett buzz aldrin and hacksaw jim duggan we begin with a team Wayne Gretzky once referred to as Mickey Mouse, who is richer than Bill Gates, so whatever that means. A team called the New Jersey Devils. Well, the devil went down to Edmonton. He was looking for a winger to steal. He'd heard about trades that Shirelli had made, and he was fitting to swing a deal. Shirelli said, son, if I got one, and his name is Taylor Hall, and I'll trade you Hall for Larson straight up. And the devil was like, really, that's all? Then the devil went down to Washington, and he was feeling pretty slick. So you bet he was dancing when he stole you Hansen for a second and a third round pick. Then the devil shot up the standings, and the Rangers were mighty pissed. You could hear the hate from a neighboring state, and it sounded something like this. 
Start spreading the news I'm leaving today I've had enough of this bullshit New York, New York These male model shoes Are long and Or my name's not Henrik fucking Lundquist New York, New York I'm gonna wake up in a city that fucking wins No more goddamn second round exits Not that shit again Start spreading the news I'm also leaving today or my name's not John frickin' Tavares. New York, New York, these Islander blues. <laughs> Golly, playing for the blues sounds great. I'll play in gosh darn Denver if I have to. New York, New York, and if I can't play there, Poor John Tavares. No, poor Henrik Lundqvist. Look, can we just agree that given their career trajectories and what Tavares's options are going to be in free agency, that neither of them are likely to ever win a cup? Poor Henrik Lundqvist. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. In South Philadelphia, born and raised in the press box is where I spend most of my days. Chilling out, thinking about how to approach, telling the general manager he should fire the coach. I'm Shane Gostaspare and I deserve better. I am the best young defenseman in an orange sweater. I had one bad shift and the coach got scared. He said, you're not playing tomorrow. Go sit by Pierre. Think you could scratch me just because you won a couple of games in North Dakota? Jerk. I pulled up to Pierre, said, what's new today? And he told me all my stats in the NCAA. I looked on the ice. Our defense was awful. The coach sat me and dressed Andy McDonald. Bullshit. Shane Gostas Bear. I almost won the Calder. Well, just like that, we have only two teams left. Possibly the two best teams of the last couple seasons. And two teams still considered the class of the NHL the Washington Capitals, and the defending Stanley Cup champion, Pittsburgh Penguins. Will the Pittsburgh Penguins win the Cup for a third time in a row this year? I'm not sure even their fans want that at this point. Seriously, fuck the Penguins. If they get Matt Duchesne out of Colorado, they're probably winning it again, though. But yeah, totally fuck the Penguins. The Washington Capitals lost a few pieces over the summer, but they hope they can finally get over the hump and win a Cup. Or at least make it to the final. Or, like, the conference final. Ovi... Take us home. Oh, Alex Ovechkin, poor guy just can't win. Marcus Johansson got traded away. Alex Ovechkin, Washington's captain, four-time Olympian if he had his way. Will a champion be crowned? Will he pass the second round? Alex, oh Alex, oh Alex, why? Why does Crosby so Birds come found Alex Ovechkin will he rebound?
And here's to you, Mr. Rutherford. Donald loves you more than you will know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. God bless you, please, Mr. Rutherford. The White House holds a place for you today. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. We'd like to say congratulations on your great franchise. We'd like to wish you well again this year. Look around you, all you see are friendly at replies. Stroll around the garden till you feel at home. Goo-goo-goo-choo, Mr. Rutherford. Donald loves you more than you will know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. God bless you, please, Mr. Rutherford. The White House holds a place for you today. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. Sitting in the press box on a Sunday afternoon. Peeking at your cell phone during the anthem. Be polite, don't ruffle feathers when it's time to choose. Everywhere you look at it, you lose. Where have you gone, Super Mario? A fan base turns its lonely eyes to you. Woo woo woo. What's that you say, Mr. Rutherford? Sid and Gino have nothing to say. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. We hope you enjoyed Hockey, the musical, as much as we enjoyed making it. Follow us on at PuckFacePod on Twitter. Find our fully captioned episodes on the PuckFacePod YouTube channel. Download us on iTunes or wherever free podcasts are sold. But tell me what you want, because if what you really, really want is an alternative, you can also listen to us on SoundCloud. Now get out of here, you PuckFace!